Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is The Dogs Programme. We're here at noon every Saturday to defend and to promote public education. And when we talk about public education, we're really quite definite. We like to define it. We like to define it as public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it should be public in access, open to every child, regardless of their background or that of their parents, whether they can pay or whether they can't, because the dogs believe that education is a right and should never be a mere charity. And in this sense, we are firmly in the Enlightenment tradition. We also believe that education, public education, should be publicly owned and controlled. And because it is the only one that is, can possibly be publicly accountable, it should be the only one that is publicly funded. Well, we know that we're losing a lot of these principles in the current privatisation of public education uh, problems with our politicians who have what uh, Robert terms a market theocracy in their sites. But uh, the dogs are very much in favour of public interests before corporate interests. And uh, for this reason, we are going to be speaking at the PIBCI meeting, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests Group, uh, on Sunday the 2nd of October 2016 at 1.30pm. Where? at the Seaford Community Centre. When? At 1.30, as we've told you. And your guest speaker there will be a G nearly, and that's me. But Robert will be there as well. And we're hoping that everybody who comes will bring along their own ideas and have a lot to say because what we have to say will be followed by a forum where everyone will be given a chance to express their concerns and ideas. Now, we have a website at www.adogs.info and every week we put up a press release. So the press release this week is press release 673 and it reads like this. Birmingham and the corruption of Gonski. The Declaration of Federal Education Minister Simon Birmingham that a fix is needed on Gonski corruption is correct, but he's got the wrong end of the stick entirely. The corruption of all needs policies since the Carmel Report of 1973 has been the outrageous diversion of money to the wealthy schools run by religious institutions while the poor children in public schools go begging. Birmingham's political antics would be diverting if it was not a political distraction in line with coalition policy of blaming the victim, in this case the states and the disadvantaged children in public schools. His answer? To abandon the Gonski plan for more of the same coalition policy of privatisation of public education while the wealthy religious schools go laughing all the way to the bank. The only answer dogs believe to the ludicrous and ridiculous unfairness in funding arrangements between public and private and schools in different states, because it seems that if you live in Albury or Wodonga, then the actual Gonski money funding is really quite strangely different in different schools. Uh, the answer to this problem is to take over private schools that already received the major part of their funding from the state, and there's a large number of those now, to rationalise unnecessary duplication of facilities and have one first-rate public system which is available to every child in this country. And we then should have genuine independent schools because the dogs are not against independent schools so long as they don't have state money. But this would mean a return to the pre-state aid days and the lessons learnt by the founding fathers of this nation. Now, what are the current facts about the current situation that have led 
to Birmingham, uh, calling it corruption. Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd have written an article entitled Institutionalised Inequality for a group called The Inside Story, which has its website, uh, and we've given that in the press release. In the section, which is entitled The Vanishing Independent School, they note the following. And this is very interesting. The bigger picture emerges when we compare the funding of large numbers of schools that enrol students with similar educational needs. Most Australian schools fall into the 950 to 1150 ICSI range. That means that their uh, parents are within that range, uh, 100 being the norm. In other words, most schools are just a little bit below the norm or a little bit above the norm as far as the parent's income is concerned. Now, in this ICSIA range, governments fund Catholic schools at between 90.8% and 99.5% of the dollars going to public schools. And the figures for independent schools range from 79.5% to 94.6%. So the government is substantially funding the so-called independent schools already. Catholic schools in Queensland in this range get 94.2% of government school public funding and New South Wales schools get 96.9% and Victorian schools, this is the interesting figure, Victorian so-called independent Catholic schools get 107.7% from government funding. The corresponding figures for independent schools are Queensland 84.5%, New South Wales 91% and Victoria 105.1%. So Victorian schools are certainly doing very nicely if they're Catholic schools or other religious schools in Victoria. Mr Molino and Mr Andrews are very, very generous indeed. And so is Mr Birmingham, of course. Now, Average funding figures, because usually you have the average funding figures which the independent schools and the Catholic Education Office give you. They average everything out. They don't tell this story because the sectors are quite different. The sector that must be available to every child from every family in every place and circumstance inevitably enrols students with higher levels and hence faces higher costs. That's higher higher, higher needs levels. Comparing average funding across whole sectors creates yet another half-truth, whether it be student achievement or school funding. But the My School website that was set up by Gillard, and remember she had to really uh, almost bully the private schools to get these figures up into the sky for us. My School enables us to compare schools enrolling similar students. And the Save Our Schools people in Canberra, Trevor Cobalt, who was in the Productivity Commission, and uh, Chris Bonner and Shepherd, who were uh, principals of state schools, private schools, they really work hard on these figures, and that is what they have found. And they go further, Bonner and Shepherd, to say this. We might get to the point where our institutionalised farce will become too great to ignore. Perhaps it will be too great to ignore when the Wodonga parents, primary school, having looked across the border, hammer on the door of the Victorian government and want as much funding as the Victorian schools are getting. When the teachers at one non-government school compare their balance sheet with that of another, and when the principal at the public school asks out loudly why its rules and obligations shouldn't apply to the publicly funded non-government school down the road, when voters demand that the money spent on schools be used to target need and hence lift overall achievement, when governments join the dots and join forces to create something better. So far, there's no sign of that on the horizon. Well, I've actually got news for Bonner and Shepherd. That has been on the horizon ever since the dogs have been here. We have been saying this all along. If they get this much money, take them over. Make them 
public schools and let's have genuinely independent schools. And I can tell you that I was talking to a, a Presbyterian minister only in the last week and I told him that people will take his Christianity seriously when Scots College doesn't take any more state money. Now, we have a treat for you this afternoon. We have a gentleman with us who is probably even more interested in the history of uh, our schools than I am. And I know that you often think, oh, here's Jean going off again with her history. But John, uh, John Armstrong, who is in the studio with me, he has a website and he's here to tell you about it because he is one of the many people who are aware that Mr. Kennett and Mrs. Kerner and others ever since the 1980s have been selling off our public schools. They have been selling off the inheritance of our children, very valuable sites, and then they've been pocketing the money and spending it, but not on education. And now we have a big problem, particularly all around Australia, because there have been five years ago large, large numbers of babies in the wards of our hospitals just born. And these children are now coming into our schools. But I'll turn you over to John. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, uh, Jean, for having me. And I'm not sure that uh, I can cut into your uh, credentials with the uh, with my interest in the history of schools, I go back a certain way, but uh, you're going back to the 60s. That, uh, you beat me in that regard. <laughs> oh, I'd be happy to go back to the 18th century. I think that that's where our, our politicians are taking us, John. <laughs> I think that the public system is only 150 years old and uh, the uh, some of the people that we're up against, the bureaucracies that we are, are up against have been playing the power game for 2,000 years. The education of our children is too important to not take them on. Well, certainly there's a difference from the 1870s in Victoria to now, uh, whereas um, all the Bastow schools in the 1870s, they somehow managed to build 600. Now we uh, you know, run flags up the mast when one school manages to be planned and opened or announced. Um, and the current government's uh, got a handful on the books it's very hard to buy back land or find land in areas where the where the values have skyrocketed, and you just uh, people are kicking footies or um, opening their fridges on the land that used to be. I don't know, you know, whichever high school you want to mention, um, Paran High School just popped in my head. The desperate efforts to find a site to deal with, as you mentioned, the uh, increase in the number of kids arriving in the inner suburbs, which apparently were going to be devoid of children, um, and my site. Uh, is twofold. It looks at, at this stage, the lost schools of the 1990s, and it chronicles there's over 170 there, and I just keep adding all the regional ones as as uh, they come to my attention. But also a methodology for improving our planning so as we don't keep going down this road of you know, finding we've sold, the assets have been sold, uh, and everyone celebrates a million dollars here, a million dollars there. Or in Brandon Park case, forty-five million. I guess that was a big number. Um, so, as you understand, well, cities, big cities, go through a dynamic of change, and it was a, it was an unusual circumstance in the eighties into the nineties that we didn't have as many kids arriving. Well, history's rectified itself because people are, you know, they tend to reproduce, and we have migration, and they tend to reproduce too. So. Um, so the site's twofold. We learn from the past. Here's a big long list, an honour roll um, of so all those schools from the 90s. And uh, I plan to move in in the coming months to the 21st century because there's been a lot lost there too. Right. Now, what is this site? Would you like to tell our, our listeners so that if they're near their computers, they can go and have a quick look at it? Yes, it's learningfromthepast.com.au learn from the past, all one word. Uh, and that's um, pretty well exactly what it is. Um, as I said, twofold. Here is the, uh, the evidence of terrible blunders, terrible mistakes. But until we have better planning methodologies, uh, population projections, and also the will, the political will, and it's not about Labor or Liberal because they've, Kennett was extreme, 
but it started, as you said yourself, under, under the, well, actually, Kane Kerner government, and it's been going ever since. Yes, it was, um, you know, my memory, of course, I, I could go on, on, on a, as you know, about this for, for a long time, but my memory was that there were people within the education department who were not friends of public education, and they were quite happy to sell our children's inheritance. But uh, there is now a large number of parents who are waking up to the fact that there isn't a local state school to send their children to. And uh, they should be very interested in your site uh, because some of these schools have not yet been sold. The sites are still available, aren't they? Yes. Um, I, uh, I'm not far from here. I'm in the Brunswick East area, which is having a you know, major development uh, you know, there are just developments everywhere at the moment, major population increase. Nearby is uh, two examples, two of the closed schools of the 1990s. There were four closed there, yeah. I think. Oh, there were a lot, but I'm, I'm yeah. just going to yeah. refer to two yeah, particular two, ones. Yeah. There, there were yeah. a lot. Um, the Now, we know that there's a Coburg High School now, but anyone that drives past uh, Morland City Hall, uh, you've still got the old Coburg High School site. And the only one, the only person winning on that deal at the moment is the whippersnipper guy, because it's still a wasteland. It's been on sold four times, um, and that stares you in the face as an example of, well, you got chicken feed under a million dollars when the Kenner government sold it. it. Was last time on sold for about twelve million, and you know one day, one day there'll be apartments there because every time it's on sold, it goes for more and more money. But um, at the moment, it is just this eyesore. Now, around the corner is what was Moreland High School, which became a, 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 a joined the TAFE sector, uh, was Kangan, mm-hmm. Batman TAFE for a while. Uh, now, that's, that's all boarded up or corrugated, ironed up. Um, and as I say on my site, don't sell it. Developers are drooling over the prospect of that uh, that site there, just off Sydney Road. That's an example of don't sell it. Occupy it. Yeah. Use it. Use it as a public resource. Um, but do, do not say, oh, look, you know, gee, we can get X million for that. Because next time you need to get land in the area, and Moreland is an area with very little public open space, next time you need land in the area, well, you've thrown it out. And really cheaply. Well, I think it's wonderful that you are actually informing parents and they're setting up, of course, very interesting groups and demanding in the, uh, in the inner city, they are demanding up our way in North Melbourne and the Docklands mm. uh, schools for their children because uh, the North Melbourne school, the one school that's left, the primary school, uh, is going to have a 1,000 children in two years for a site that really is built for or would it was very nice in the 1980s when my my son was there for about 250 children. Uh, and uh, it's a lovely school, don't get me wrong, and it's wonderful to see all of these children from so many different backgrounds are running around in the playground together. But there's not enough room in the long run for all of the children who are coming into this area. And the Docklands, of course, all they've got offering is Haleyberry up on King Street in a, in a multi-storied um, building, which was a NAB building. Uh, yeah, very yeah. interesting. That's an interesting story. It, it 52 is. million they spent on this and how much they've spent on making it into a, a school, I don't know, a P to 12. But Haleybury is not for everybody. And uh, there's a whole question as to whether or not how much of that 52 million was taxpayers' money. That should be taken over. I think, because but what should certainly be uh, used is the old Prince School on Queensbury Street. Uh, there are, as you say, buildings that have not yet been sold on, and they can be used. But, but what's the government doing? Well, the, you mentioned North Melbourne. I, I have a series of case studies on my side, and North Melbourne mm. is one of them. Mm. I actually know a lot of people who have their kids at North Melbourne, and they went from 650 to 750 this year mm. um, and of course all the portables are arriving or the relocatables next year there mm. will be six six um, 
uh, new classes at the uh, foundation foundation level, yep. and then there's another six yep. at the next class. Yeah. That's um, there's a lot of angst there, and the our children, our schools alliance, mm. uh, you know, Kate Hall and everyone who's come since Kate, uh, certainly uh, plugged in well. I guess I'm running sort of side saddle. That's the wrong expression. I'm running in parallel with them um, because I'm looking at, I'm an independent voice and I'm looking across Victoria. So I certainly haven't forgotten the regionals here with Ballarat, Bendigo and and, what we know has happened out there. Um, You're giving them the history of what went wrong. Yes. Well, it's partly honouring the fact that um, there are these places that are now housing estates, or are independent schools, or are you know, shopping centres. Richmond Tech is a police station and a McDonald's. There's a double double whammy for you. Um, that uh, one of the things I say is, where are the plaques? Well, I've created. I'm creating the site because there is no honour uh, honour roll on a particular website. So that's part of what I'm doing. Is saying here they all are. Here they were located. Uh, you can find a you know. A paragraph on each of these schools, what's theirs now? Um, I, I, uh, it's a lot of research involved to actually find them, but a lot of them. Um, oh, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine came back from living in London for many years, and he was from the Oakley area, and he said to me, uh, "You're interested in this school's business, you know? I lost. I went to look at my primary and secondary school, Amstel Primary and Oakley High, and they're just houses." And yeah, what about what about something to say? What was here? Because we were all there, and then he started talking about. Well, I drove out with him, and he said I kicked the footy over there, and I got in trouble for this and that. And that occurred to me. There's thousands of Victorians, or those that have moved into state or wherever. Um, there's thousands of people that have basically been told your formative years have been expunged. I think this is. Very, very relevant because when they were closing these schools, there was great grief. Uh, the private schools make a big thing about the old boys' school tie. Mm. But here in Australia, one of our most important institutions has been the state school. It's where so many of us learnt to live with each other. Uh, it was our formative years, and it's actually what makes Australia and Australians what they are. Uh, and this is where the children from migrant parents come and learn to live with us, and we learn to live with them. And haven't we learned a great deal from uh, the different waves of migrants we've had? Uh, so these schools of ours, they are a treasure. Um, and I can see that you must feel this to even be doing all of this work. And there is grief amongst past generations who remember their school days with great... Um, I think that they're very, very grateful for what they were given, but also they relate to it, to other people who they went to school with. Mm. The state school... I won't call it the old school tie, but the state school memory is very, very strong in this country. And what you're doing is, in fact, setting it down. The memory is actually very important. Oh, well, certainly before it's lost, too. Yes. Um, uh, now, the, uh, as I said, I've just been more recently adding uh, rural areas. Mm. And um, these are often involve a phone call to the local historical society and it's usually, well, it's always uh, an elderly woman that's the contact. And I can barely get off the phone. Um, I was on the phone to a woman in Birchip the other day, and I just wanted to know through Google Maps, was the school at that end of the street or that end of the street? Well, I got the history of Birchip. Because, particularly in the, you know, smaller towns, the school is the public institution. There's that in the courthouse and the police station, the pub. Um and a lot of them were closed down. They took it away from them. They took their history away from them. Yes. It was, I, I yes, always there, felt at the time yeah. it was semi-criminal. Yeah, and, and, and won't acknowledge it. Um, now, I am in the process of, uh, sort of um, softening up some non, non-government, non-opposition members of parliament, and there's quite a few in the upper house at the moment, mm. um, making, getting them to think, well, 
I'd, you know, my side wasn't involved in closing that or that or that. Uh, why isn't there an acknowledgement? Now, when I talk to or try to talk to uh, opposition or government, because they've got these euphemisms of it was amalgamated, so they're not going to put a plaque up to something that says, we closed this. Even though thousands of people went to school here and would love to see an acknowledgement, uh, like something, you know, like a nice sepia outline of the what was there and, you know, the, you know 4,000 children, went, you know, they came through here. Um, but they're not going to do that because they uh, will pretend they actually weren't closed at all. They are not prepared to take responsibility. Isn't this the problem with our de- with our democracy at the moment? Uh, how many ministers of education should have resigned because of what has happened in their department? How many of them should have resigned and who has resigned? If this man in Canberra, I think his name is Simon Birmingham, is telling me that there has been corruption in the Gonski funding, then he's responsible. He should resign. There has been corruption, uh, but it's in the state aid area rather than in the state school area. He should resign. But who resigns? Who takes responsibility, final responsibility? And this, to me, is the essence of a democracy when the minister of whatever he is actually takes responsibility and properly represents the majority of his constituents in the parliament. And it's just not there anymore, is it? Um, no, I think that used to be called the Westminster system, didn't yes, it? Yes, it did, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think, John, you and I have both been in the public service and we have, mm-hmm. uh, have a view of, of how it works uh, up in the upper echelons. Uh, and, uh, yes, we were yes. talking beforehand and, uh, uh, yes... I, until recently, was many years a public servant. Um, and, mm, it, well, I don't want to um, knock the, the good people. Who are, There's some very good people. Yes, yes. Yeah. But um, we know, and it's come to our attention clearly through IBAC in, uh, in recent years, that um, some people have a lot to answer for. And I think there's more, more to come. From the Auditor-General? Well, yes. Now, the interesting thing about uh, I do want the Auditor-General, I know the Auditor-General's people are doing a performance uh, audit at the moment on school infrastructure, and they have spoken to the Our Children, Our Schools people. That'll be coming out, I believe, in February, or tabled. Um, and that's well and good. I want to see an extension of that um, to see a... And basically, I love three-word slogans too, open Mm. the books. Mm. Open the books on the 90s and up to the present day of was everything above board with the asset disposal of education assets? Especially under Mr. Kennett. Uh, He had a lot of very interesting mates in the advertising field and in the real estate field, didn't he? There was a lot of questions uh, asked, I remember, about who, who actually got the goodies from those sale of schools. Well, the other thing there is sheer volume. Mm. Because things were, because there were so many closures in that period, um, and the other, there's another two important points about the 90s. One is the nobbling of the Auditor-General. Mm. Uh, Chas Baragwanath was, um, you know, he yes. had to... Yeah. Tow the line. Had, had, well, he fought he a pitched battle. Best. He, he did, did his, his best, his but best. he didn't have... He wasn't really in a position mm. to do anything about it then. And, of course, it was not a coalition government. No. So uh, country schools were represented for the most part by a party not in government. Um, So, uh, and, of course, since then we've had many school closures and we know that um, these assets, these valuable assets become sometimes end up looking like the same house from one suburb to another. But... Look, it'd be great if everything is above board, but let's 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 see the Auditor General open the books, and really scour things and say, well, the answer is yes or no. Well, <laughs> it's a very uh, it's a very responsible but quite dangerous position for the Auditor General. I mean, Mr. Doyle, who they bought over from Canada. Uh, he had something to say about the Catholic Education Office and their books, and um, 
he was shunted off. I think he had to re- had to retire. Uh, fortunately, his understudy got something out very interesting. But now we have a new auditor general. Uh, let's hope, let's hope that he is protected if he wants to open the books to the public. I'm presuming you did a show about uh, early this year when the uh, the that report came out? Yes, yes, yes. oh okay. yes, yes. My uh, Robert, who's my usual offsider, he he was very interested because uh, he had some info, inside information about it all. So yeah. Uh, Jean, do you have a view on the new uh, school building authority? I'll be very interested to find who is appointed to this building and what their terms of reference are. Mm. It's just that it. I mean, your preamble made it because uh, uh, I don't know as much about the uh, who gets what funding, but I have noticed that um, that that website uh, it it covers both the government sector and the Catholic sector. Very much against but, this, I think they should be kept completely separate, because once the public uh, is combined with the private, then it's corrupted. That. That is corruption, uh, and uh, the uh, the usually you find on these boards that the private school interest uh, has the numbers, and the people who are put on to represent the public school interest, um, their price is not as high as the dogs would like. Uh, they're 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 carefully picked. For instance, back in 1973, when the schools commission was established. Mrs. Kerner was selected by Beasley, the Minister for Education in those days, because uh, she was ambitious. Uh, she'd become a member of the Labor Party and she was prepared to compromise on the state aid issue. And in fact, she caused a great deal of trouble to the dogs in the High Court case, which you can read in the history that we've written on this. But our our experience over the decades has been that you look at the membership of these boards. Uh, you look at the numbers, who represents what, and uh, when when you're looking for somebody who'll fight uh, and stand up, uh, they've usually been pre-selected because they have... Um, yes, well, they're not in that... They're not quite in that category. Uh, and this is always very sad for the state school interest. It has been again and again. So I'm very sad to hear that it's private and public together because the private usually wins out in these kind of uh, political creations. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 10 years later, everybody wakes up that it's unfair. But we are very interested that people like the Save Our Schools group in Canberra are prepared to uh, say that um, we... Um, we should perhaps be thinking of taking over these so-called independent schools because we're paying for them. So we're at a crossroads, I believe, in Australia at the moment. Will we become completely privatised or will we become public again? Uh, And uh, it's going to be very interesting. I know where the dogs think we should go and I know where we'll fight to go, yes. But we need to um, have a little bit of a break. Let's have uh, a community announcement, shall we? Do you find mainstream feminism not relevant to your life? Too white, too liberal, doesn't deal with class. Ever been accused of being a feminist killjoy? Well, maybe your feminism is intersectional. Intersections! Coming soon to 3CR. A new program about local and global intersectional feminism in action. A deeper look into how contemporary intersectional lives are lived. Starting on the 2nd of October on Sunday at 5.30. Intersections! We'll have a little bit of a break and have some music. Uh, Because what we've been talking about is uh, pretty fantastic, we'll have the symphony Fantastic by Berlioz.
well, there we had uh, the fantastic symphony part of it from uh, Berlioz, uh, romantic music, but um, we are talking about some really pretty fantastic things because we're lucky to have a fantastic interviewee today. Uh, so let's get back to John. In Friday, the September the 23rd, 2016, John, we found that the state population has passed 6 million. And amongst those 6 million, there's a lot of small children. And there's more coming. Uh, I've got a vested interest in all that because in the Labor wards uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had another grandchild. So it's not just children, it's grandchildren, grandparents that are interested in this whole question. Well, congratulations, Jean. And uh, a couple of months ago, and again next month, I'll be a great uncle again. Uh, so wow. that's another two uh, in the last in, in a few months. Um, yes, the uh, that item you're just referring to. There's a comment there from the Dot ID consulting people who are in Collingwood too. And now there is a an organisation that really knows its population projections. Unfortunately, and I refer to it on my website learningfromthepast.com.au. Unfortunately, the state government and the education department don't really use .ids, small area uh, format. Um, they usually go by local government areas. And as we know in the inner suburbs, some council areas have, say, the northern half compared to the southern half of the LGA, dramatic differences in population growth, development booms. Uh, Moreland, Darabin are very good examples. But when you even it out and just use the LGA area, you miss what is in fact a school zone. Mm. Um, that and makes sense. It, you miss a school zone because a school zone is, well, where is the school? Uh, what is your house, is your gate closest to that school? Now, I've got, um, I've got sections on my site on population projections, which talks about the need for the education department to learn from the past by using small area projections and bolting them together. And I've given an illustration of what I've dubbed the Merry Creek Corridor, which is Brunswick East, part of Northcote and North Fitzroy, which feeds Northcote High School. Um, and those they are not LGAs, they're each part of an LGA. Mm. But together, they have massive population increase already and to come. To illustrate on my drive here, and I'm going to have to go soon because I've got my parking meter ticking over, on my drive here from the 3 triple down Nicholson Street, from the 3 triple R studio to one kilometre south is Jane Garrett's office, there are, you go past 10 major development sites, 500 dwellings, they are already under construction, and there's another 10 with the same number again on the books. There's trucks and tr cranes and, you know, everywhere. And that's not the infill, that's not the back streets, that's just the main thoroughfare. Now, that's people and that's, that's children. That's tram line, isn't it? They're following that's the that's right, line. yes. But all in the back streets, we know from a lot of areas, and it's happening in Bendigo and Ballarat as well, um, where you've got noticeable increases in pockets that collectively will hit a particular high school, if it exists, and there's no, nothing in North Docklands, as you referred to before, um, and this is where population projections need to be done using a better model, and there's nothing better than the Collingwood-based .id consulting, which works for virtually all the local councils. Virtually all, I think Danny Nong's the exception. Um, and that's, that's how they should be going. Not sticking to this weird, we, we got a surprise. Uh, I was talking to one of, the, um, one of the people from one of the Our Children, Our Schools Alliance. Mm. They sit down, I think it was Banuel, mm. uh, where they've got big issues there, and said, oh, uh, the people from the department said, we were surprised. Well, we should never be surprised. No, they're they're just <laughs> incompetent. It's it's just not the modelling that's that we need. Um, whatever consultants they get in, there needs to be a new way. We need to learn from the past. 
we actually need to have the accumulated wisdom kept in our public servants. Instead of getting rid of our public servants, we should be looking after them and training them and making them completely and utterly competent. It used to be like this. We used to produce people like Nugget Coombs. Uh, and we used to have, uh, after the war, we had people who were crash-hot administrators. But we've got rid of too many of them and we've got rid of too much of the accumulated wisdom. Maybe we've got rid of too many tech schools um, there, Jean. Yes, indeed. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, yes. I think a lot of people feel this very, very strongly. And the current government, for, to its credit, is um, bringing some back. Ironically, a few of them are located in similar area to where there was once a tech school that was taken over by a TAFE and the journey goes on. and Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Or no yeah. surprise, yes. Well, it's been lovely talking to you, John, and thank you for coming in. And uh, It's been my pleasure. You're certainly welcome to come in and, and give us your thoughts and also tell us what is happening because we know that out there there is uh, the natives. The natives are... Very restless. And, and the natives are reproducing too. Indeed, <laughs> indeed they are. Indeed they are. And they also have a memory and you're going to refresh their memories of their, their days at school. And I think there's a lot of grandparents and parents who want their children to have the wonderful state school education that they enjoyed. But we've got to fight for it. And just, uh, just to, as a passing comment. Um, since uh, I put the site up a couple of months ago, it's been interesting connecting with Sydney people who've got the closest thing to Melbourne's situation, although not as many schools were closed there. And Auckland's been an interesting uh, trans-Tasman surprise uh, where the, uh, the government there is not going to open any primary schools in Auckland, so they've got to learn how to grow on the space they have. So uh, interesting connections around well, the, across the Tasman. they'll have to learn to fight. They'll have to learn to fight. Well, I do, yes. Uh, I've, I've got someone coming from Auckland to tour some inner suburban primary schools in Melbourne uh, in a couple of months' time. And, uh, yeah, they might learn how to fight on the way. Oh, yes. And, of course, the inner city of Sydney, because I'm a Sydney girl originally, and uh, we used to have some good demonstrations there. Uh, the dogs in times gone by, I think that we were partly responsible for pe making people really aware of the needs, the whole whole needs question. Um, they know how to fight and they've got Miss Plibersek, isn't it? Plibersek is, is mm -hmm. up there. Uh, she depends for her, her political career on some of those inner city parents yeah. and uh, she's very much aware of this problem. And the state MPs, yeah. I think uh, that... Around around Bondi, there's just massive population increases. And, oh yes, and they North, lost. Uh, yeah. and North Shore. Yes, 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 yes. a lot of it. Mm. Yes, yes, and not everybody uh, either wants to or can afford to send their children to private schools in that area. And um, there is the the public system in in New South Wales has always been stronger than in Victoria. So uh, their minister, who's a National Party member. Uh, believe it or not, he has actually been putting a lot more into uh, the needy state schools up there, as well as that in New South Wales. Again, I'm a New South Welsh woman, you see. The, uh, the Teachers' Federation, the New South Wales Teachers' Federation was always stronger than down here in Victoria and elsewhere. But the uh, Federation down here, or the Teachers' Union down here, is also quite strong on all of these issues these days. But... Um, Thanks again for coming in and any time come and tell us about the battle for our state schools out in the... Out oh, in the I'd be glad to. Yes. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jane. Well, we are very fortunate to have John Armstrong talking with us today and uh, we've got a few minutes before we have to sign off. So I'd like to refer you to a very interesting uh, press release from Save Our Schools where they say on Friday, the September the 16th, that public primary schools do as well as independent schools and better than Catholic schools. There's been a new study published in the latest issue of the Australian Economic Review, which has found that students in public primary schools achieve better results than Catholic schools and similar results to independent schools. So is it no wonder that parents who 
in their own way find out about these things. Uh, They want state schools in their area for their children. Now, these findings confirm those of other recent studies in Australia and overseas that student performance in public schools is as good as or better than those in private schools, even though, of course, the private schools are loaded with much, many, many more resources. There's a reason for this. Private schools are, in fact, very dependent for curricula, uh, for teacher training, for all sorts of things on the public schools. They can actually never be better because they are parasitic on the main system. So it's very important to look after the main system. Now, this new study has concluded that government school students perform no worse than independent school students and somewhat better than their Catholic school counterparts in spelling, grammar and numeracy. And the study analysed the 2010 NAPLAN test scores of Year 5 children included in the Longitudinal Study of Australian Children, which is the most extensive nationally representative survey of Australian children throughout their development. So Mr Birmingham should be looking at these figures and deciding where he should be putting the funding, whether it's Gonski funding or any funding at all. And you know, listeners, what the dogs think about all of that. Now, I've also got a a reference here to big business that's been muscling into schools. And some of you during the week would have seen how um, in some of our state schools, the principals, because they are looking at um, impossible financial situations in their schools, have been asking state school parents to pay extortionate fees and it's just not acceptable. The only way to give children education as a right is to have genuinely free education. Once there's money in the equation, then you have the rather cold shoulder of charity and it doesn't matter what an income of a parent may be, their child should be equal to any other child in the opportunities that are offered in a public school system, which is free, which is secular, which is compulsory and which is universal. As well as that, I would like to thank John Foster, who has sent a fascinating article about the battle to expose the dark finances of California school privatisation. And this is a very interesting story of Matt Batty, who was a teacher of history and economics uh, in a state school in the United States. Uh, He teaches 11th and 12th graders at Live Oak High School, a public school in a suburb of San Jose, California. And to make uh, things meet, to pay his bills, he and his wife, who are both teachers, have to go out and drive taxis. Uh, And really, if a country can't pay its students a decent wage and give them status and look after them, then there is something wrong. They do it this way in the Scandinavian countries. Teachers are very important. In Finland, they have a master's before they can go anywhere near a classroom. And they are one of the uh, most revered people in the community. And we've got to get to that point here in Australia too. Our teachers are very precious and you can't replace them with either robots or computers or TV screens. And we have to look after our teachers, our public school teachers who have done such a wonderful job for the last 150 years and are continuing to do a job. But our time has gone and so I would like to say goodbye for now. And please come down on the 2nd of October to hear the dogs talk uh, at the um, Seaford Community Hall at 1.30pm. Robert and I will be there and we really would love to meet some of our listeners and have a good talk about the privatisation of our public system and how to resist it. So that's all for this week. Bye for now.